One more time, give him a hand clap of praise. If you're blessed in the building tonight. Woo! High five your neighbors, you find your seat and tell them I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed coming in and I'm blessed going out. I'm blessed in the city and I'm blessed in the field. My family's blessed. My marriage is blessed. My children are blessed. My business is, I just need five witnesses in the building. Come on, whatsoever I doeth shall prosper. You wanna be blessed? Don't let me get involved in your life cause the blessing will flow through me. Turn around, tell your neighbor, tell him neighbor, tell him neighbor, tell him you're looking at a blessing right now. Come on, tell him this is what a blessing looks like. I just need 500 of y'all that know you're blessed. Oh, yeah. It's overtaking me tonight. I can't get away from the blessing tonight. There's a lot of Holy Ghost in this house tonight. You excited just to be in the building in tonight? <laughs> Amen. You can be seated for just one more moment. I know we've already done this, but I want to do it just one more time. If you are a pastor a minister, a youth pastor, an evangelist. Would you please stand all over the building tonight? Come on, if you're a minister, pastor, preacher, teacher, come on. Look all around us. We are blessed tonight. Would you help me one more time? Put your hands together in honor of all of the ministry represented. Well, I think we could do just a little bit better than that. Let's let the devil know uh, that we're covered by authority. Let's let the devil know our preacher is not dead because uh, nobody killed him. Uh, as a matter of fact, if you try to step to him, uh, you're going to have to get through me uh, to get to my man. I just need a witness in the building. It is so wonderful to have each and every one of you here with us tonight. What, uh, what an honor. And uh, I want to, again, remind you, all of our ministers and families, we've had some walk-in since the last announcement, uh, but we are going to be providing an amazing meal for you and your families if you're a minister uh, at the Power Squadron building. Woo! Power Squadron for powerful ministries. <laughs> I'm just having a little bit of fun, but it's easy to get to. It's literally down the block. If you walk out of the church door and go right down the street, you'll run into it. But if you need an address, you can scan the easel that's in the lobby, and it'll pull up directions and all the information right on your phone. We want you to join us for a great time after the service. And then I want to remind you that we have some amazing apostolic businesses and vendors that are represented here this week. Let's give it up for apostolic entrepreneurs tonight. Come on. How many of you thank God for visionary business owners? 
that understand business as ministry. We've got all kind of incredible goods and services, and we'd love for you to take a moment right after the service to just take a few minutes. If you go right through that door, that exit sign to my right, there's a red exit sign. Go through that door and hang a left, and you'll find them there. We've got an awesome presentation, and we want you to avail yourself of what's happening in that place. Anybody ready to have some more church tonight? Come on, you might have to do a hallelujah check because we're in the middle of this thing. This might be your last chance to switch seats uh, if you're sitting next to the wrong person. Uh, you ought to turn around and tell your neighbor, uh, tell him neighbor, uh, shout hallelujah. If they looked at you funny, grab your Bible uh, and find someone else to sit next to. Uh, but if they shouted hallelujah back at you, give them a high five uh, and tell them let's have a church. Put your hands together and give God a praise as the TRC sign team comes tonight.
worship Him, must worship Him in spirit and in truth. There is only one spirit. There is only one name. There is only one God. Matthew 121, thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. I'm glad, church, to know who he is tonight. He's the one and true living God, and beside him there is no other. Aren't you glad you know his name tonight? And there's power. Something happens. Something happens when you call his name. I'm thankful for the power of the name. Remain standing all over the building. We have a unique opportunity tonight not to do something that is habitual, but to do something that is supernatural. I remember in earlier years, but even now it's become more precious as gas in my city closed on $7 a gallon. Now, how many remember some of those days, maybe even before you were living, living for God, and you only had about three bucks to get where you were going? 
But you were so dedicated to that club and that party and that group that you had no shame to walk up in the AM, PM and tell them like a boss, I'll take three on pump five. Your jeans cost more than your car and your shoes cost more. Come on, but you was trying to go to the club on three bucks in the tank. I wonder tonight if I could see the hand of everybody that needs a miracle. Can I just see your hand real quick? I wonder tonight if in the spirit realm that God is looking down before we take an offering and he's trying to see how much we're going to put on our miracle tonight. Because the value of my miracle or the value of my destination allows me to put in how far I expect to go. So if you're only trying to go around the block and you're not trying to be anything or be about anything, I'm not talking to you tonight. But the Bible declares that it is impossible to outgive the Lord. And I don't think as apostolics we have to get up in the pulpit and convince the church that he's the mighty God in Christ. And he's Jehovah Jireh, my provider. And that he's the source and, and he's the wet. I should not have to remind you. So I want to know tonight every hand that was lifted. I brought my offering. It's in my pocket. How much are you going to put on the pump called the miraculous tonight? I said, how much are you, how much mileage is your miracle going to get out of your sacrifice tonight? This is what we're going to do. We're going to pray, and God is going to do a miracle. When we get done praying, I want you to march from the back to the front. The ushers are preparing right now to serve us. Ushers, we call them way back to ushers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of y'all don't know what Southern Louisiana church is all about. Back where the gumbo is real dark. Hallelujah. We're going to march and we're going to give as unto the Lord. And the praise team and choir is going to take us here. But before we go, I want to ask you to pray. Grab your offering. Takes a lot of money to do these things, but we need them. The world's still partying. I said the world's still parted. Ah, uh, yeah, people still do what they're going to do. But tonight, we are going to be more than overcomers. I want you to pray like the miracle had already happened. One, two, three, go. In the name that's above every other name. I didn't even come to ask you. I came to thank you by faith. It's already done. It's so. I wish I had two or three right now. It's done. I declare it in the name of my God have mercy. My family, my home. Thank you for our new building in San Diego. I've come to put some mileage on my miracle. If you believe it, lift your voice. Let's come. Let's give. Let's worship the Lord in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody put those hands together as you give tonight. Faces. 
somebody praise him uh, like it's already open tonight. Uh, somebody ought to take uh, about 60 seconds uh, and just turn loose uh, a praise in the building uh, that says he did it. Uh,
You want to shout until the demons in your city can feel the vibration all the way from South Florida. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness. And we understand that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down. Somebody reach your hands in the air and pull it down tonight. Come on, we're pulling down strongholds. We're pulling down walls. We're pulling down resistance. Come on, shout for your own church tonight. Somebody shout for a breakthrough in your city. Somebody shout for deliverance in your city. Somebody shout for victory in your church. Give him a praise. Is there anybody ready for what God's about to do in this building tonight? I want you to remain in this posture of worship right where you're at tonight. We have been blessed beyond measure already in this conference. How many of you thank God for what he did last night uh, under the unction of anointing uh, of Pastor Joel Buxton last night? Come on, are you grateful? We come into this house tonight with expectation uh, in our spirit. Uh, we are believing God for great things in this house. Uh, and I am confident that God uh, has spoke to the man of God uh, that has been appointed for this hour uh, and for this time. Uh, the question is never the sower uh, and the question is never the seed. Uh, but the variable is always the ground uh, that the seed is going to fall on. Uh, I wonder if I've got any prepared vessels in the building uh, is there any prepared ground in the building uh, that came with faith in your heart uh, and expectation in your spirit uh, if you're ready for the word of God in this place uh, lift your hands uh, and lift your voice uh, as the man of God comes uh, to deliver the word of the Lord come on Pastor Jackson preach the word to us tonight hallelujah hallelujah why don't you just lift your hands and close your eyes and let's just thank God for his goodness. Come on, why don't you close your eyes and lift your hands and let's just thank him for his presence. We love you tonight, Jesus. We love you tonight, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Anybody happy to be in the house of the Lord on Friday night? Man. You may be seated for just a moment. I want to say how honored and privileged that I feel to be back in Fort Myers at the Rock Church and to get to be a small part of what has become truly a life-changing, uh, powerful international youth conference and to get to be back again this year truly is my honor. 
I absolutely love dearly Brother and Sister Williams and their family. They are tremendous people of God. And to this local church, thank you for opening up your doors and being such a class act and throwing such a great party. We thank you. That's right. Every, every greeter, every usher, every singer, every musician, those who work tirelessly behind the scenes, parking cars, preparing meals, scheduling and reserving pavilions. We thank you tonight. We honor you. We know that this doesn't just happen. And uh, tonight, it is a distinct honor to have my girl with me, Miss Annabelle. And uh, I love her very much. And she agreed to travel with me and to have her friend, Sister Callie, here. And then to those at home listening, watching, all the text messages, the prayers. I certainly appreciate it. And this is the first year that I've been at Impact without my wife. And uh, a few months ago, well, really not a few months ago, not even quite a month ago, uh, we had an addition to our family. And so... I'll be very truthful with you. It was hard for me to go ahead and come. And uh, matter of fact, it was a good thing I had promised Annabelle and Callie that I'd bring them to impact or uh, somebody else might be getting this Friday night slot. <laughs> but uh, I am glad to be here. I love my wife and my other children that are at home very much. Uh, I appreciate the goodness of God in my life. I appreciate the people of God in my life. God's people are the best people. They're not perfect people, but they're still the best people. And uh, I'm, I'm happy to be here. Um, I, I, I told Brother Williams earlier today, uh, I certainly don't feel like what I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God has put on my heart for you tonight. I don't feel like it's a conference message and I certainly don't feel like that it is a Friday night conference message. But to be honest, I, I know that I'm not a conference preacher, not a Friday night conference preacher. So I'm just going to give you what God has given to me. I want to, I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you, Brother Buxton, for such a timely word last night. Thank you. And, uh, if there's ever been a day and an hour where ministry that is willing to speak up and speak out is under attack, it's right now. But let me just tell all the counselors that cancel culture don't work in the church. They've been trying to count, cancel a man of God since Acts chapter 2. And it seems like that every time they do their best to shut him up, they start having to say, these are they which have turned the world upside down. And so 
there is still a generation of men and another generation of young men, young women coming on the scene that shall not be quiet. And I believe I'm in the room with some of those people tonight. I was praying and fasting much concerning this meeting. And uh, a few weeks ago, God placed this scripture on my heart. And uh, he began to deal with me. And uh, I pray tonight that somehow in my limited ability to articulate the great things of God, that you would open your hearts and that you would let the word of God resonate with you. And I appreciate all of the praise and music and dancing and shouting that's gone on up until this point. I believe in all that. I'm for all that. But I hope by the time this service is over that those of you who could throw your ties are willing to tie yourself to an altar. Because this isn't a shallow shout. This is not our club. We didn't change clubs. We changed kingdoms. And this is a different kingdom. And so you're a part of something that is the greatest thing on the face of this earth. Matter of fact, you're a part of the only thing that will not pass away and be consumed. But you don't have to be nervous about the church because it's built upon the rock. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. May I? If you would stand with me tonight and honor the reading of God's word. Again, thank you so much, Bishop, Sister Williams. Thank you. The room. Uh, I'm going to tell you, those are some of the nicest rooms I believe I've ever stayed in. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you, Rock Church. That basket. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Romans chapter number nine. Romans chapter number nine. One verse of scripture that really, since the Lord put it on my heart, has just captivated me. And I want to do my best to minister to you from it tonight. Romans chapter 9, verse number 13. When you have it, say amen. Paul was writing, and he reached all the way back. And he said, as it is written, he was writing a reminder. You need to understand, Paul's not writing to people trying to get saved. You want to know how to get saved, you got to go to the book of Acts. You got to read chapter 2, verse 38, chapter 4, verse 12, on and on. That's how you get saved. Paul was not writing to people trying to get saved, but he was writing to people that were endeavoring to stay saved. And in that context, he would write, as it is written. Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. 
Would you just read that with me one time and let, it, let the weight of it sink in? As it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. And tonight, I really do not intend, plan to be very long, but I do believe that there's going to be a sovereign move of the Holy Ghost. And God is going to provoke people to make a decision for now is the time and today is the day. And I just want to preach for just a few moments from this very elementary thought that Paul has already titled. And I simply want to preach to you tonight, Jacob, have I loved? Esau, have I hated? Jacob, have I loved? Esau, have I hated? Would you lift your hands one more time and let's ask God to open our hearts, open our ears, make our heart fallow ground. Come on, would you really pray with me for just a moment? Come on, would you really, would you really talk to God with me for just a minute? If it's appropriate, why don't you join with the individual next to you and let's just pray together right now. God, I, I certainly need your help. I'm in over my head tonight, but I know that you've dealt with me. <laughs> I need the oil. I need the Come on, would you lift your hands and just sing it as a prayer? Every hour I need Thee So bless me now My Savior I Would you do it one more time with me? I need the Come on, let me hear you sing it, choir. I need the Why don't we give it one more hand clap of praise and thanksgiving for we're seated in his presence tonight. God bless you as you're seated in the rich, wonderful presence of our great God. Jacob, have I loved? Esau, have I hated? Again, I'm not going to be very long. I'm going to jump 
right into this, but I do ask that you would give me the privilege of taking just a moment and laying somewhat of a foundation and getting to where I know God wants to speak to every individual in this building and those listening online tonight. When God drew my attention to the scripture, I guess it's been about a month ago, I became both very intrigued and then I must admit to you also somewhat concerned when I began to read that our great God who by very definition as recorded in John the first chapter and the fourth the fourth chapter and the eighth verse is love how that our God who is defined as a God who is love when I begin to think about how that our God who so loved the world that he gave and he didn't just give anything but he gave his only begotten son so that we could believe on him and have the possibility of not perishing because it doesn't say for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed on him should could not and would not but that they should not and and when I begin to think about the attributes of God and how that he is a God of such great mercy and a God of such great love and how that he is so concerned with helping you and I that he allows his mercy to be renewed every single morning and, and he lets us start each day with brand new mercy and at the same time allows his goodness and mercy to come behind us and follow us all the days of our life. Uh, how that, that kind of a God who, who would, would even declare of traitors like Judas that these are my friends, how that, that kind of a God who, who really when you search the Bible from Genesis even to Revelation, you, you see people do some terrible, tragic things and they have to pay for their sin and their shortcoming, but yet God still offers redemption and restoration. I, I think about even all the way back in the beginning, the young man by the name of Cain who slew Abel, whose blood would still cry up and cry out to God and though God would mark Cain he has committed murder he has went against the plan of God and the ways of God and he would murder his brother and how that God would mark him but then turn around and tell people I've marked him but, but he's still mine and you keep your hands off of him and you just let me take care of him I, I don't want to get too sidetracked tonight but I still think there's a very important lesson in that uh, that we still should not touch God's anointed uh, and neither do his prophets uh, 
any harm. Now, a lot of times people clap because they think that's talking just about the preacher. But let me tell you, everybody in this building tonight that has the baptism of the Holy Ghost, uh, you have been called out, called apart, set aside, anointed by God. And it's a very dangerous thing uh, when you become so jealous and envious of your brother and your sister that you would do everything you can to destroy them. Uh, Let me tell you, uh, God may not let me put my hands on you, uh, but God will mark you uh, if you're not careful. With the advent of social media and, and, and accessibility to situations around the world, Pentecost has gotten way too good uh, at tearing up and tearing down and putting their hands on God's anointed. Uh, Let me tell you, uh, you can sow all the seed you want to in the kingdom of God uh, and not get blessed uh, until you learn to control your tongue uh, and not be cursed by God uh, because you're cursing somebody that's blessed. I, I like... I like what Brother Williams had to say. If you don't want your life blessed, don't let me get a part of it because I'm blessed. You get blessed because I'm blessed. But let me just add a little bit to that. Because I'm blessed, don't you get your life cursed. Let me tell you, when you look to the left and the right and in front and behind of you tonight, you are looking at blessed people. Uh, Don't get yourself cursed uh, because you can't quit throwing little fits uh, and little tantrums uh, and you don't like what she's doing and you don't like what he said. And so you think you can shed the blood of your brother or sister just because they're your brother or sister. Uh, Can I tell you uh, the lost art in Pentecost uh, is us learning to control our tongue, uh, which was the purpose uh, of the baptism of the Holy Ghost in the first place. Uh, He didn't take over my hands. Uh, He didn't take over my feet. Uh, But when I really became his, uh, he took over my tongue. Uh, And you dance. uh, You shout. You throw ties. uh, You give in the offering. uh, You do everything you're big enough to do. uh, But until you learn uh, to control your tongue, That's not in my notes, but I don't have very many notes, so. When when did we get so small? I'm going to get to where I'm going. I I may end up taking a little longer than I thought, but it feels good. When did we get so small in Pentecost that that we we failed to realize that, that God can bless me and my brother too. And not only can God bless me and my brother, God can bless me and my enemy. And just because God's blessing my enemy doesn't mean it's going to cost me a blessing uh, because the only thing that can cost me a blessing uh, is me. You, You can't cost me a blessing. You, 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 you aren't the reason I got blessed and you'll never be the reason if I ever get cursed. It's me. Somewhere we, 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 we've become 
Saul's and not the ones that were transformed into Paul's. We've, we've become Saul's that we've become professionals that throw in javelins and daggers and You know what I hope we never turn Pentecost into is an adult daycare. Bunch of little kids always pitching fits and can't get along and this is my toy and well I can't rejoice with them over there but I can't rejoice with them. Do you think there's many heavens? I, I, I believe I believe in convictions and I believe in absolute truths. And I believe that light should have no fellowship with darkness. And I don't believe that we should be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. And I'm not going to join arms with somebody that's preaching false doctrine. And I'm not going to link up with somebody that doesn't believe there's any other way to be saved than repentance, water baptism in Jesus' name, and then filling of the Holy Ghost. I don't believe in friends of the bride. There's only the bride, and everybody else is not going to be in heaven. They're going to be in hell. But I'm also not going to not fellowship somebody because their convictions are a little bit different than mine. Or they have church a little bit different than I have church. See, there are preferences and convictions and then there are absolutes. And I'm not going to kill my brother over a preferred thing, a something that God gave me as a conviction. Now, when you cross the line and you start changing that Bible and you start changing doctrine, uh, the gloves come off. Uh. But I was, and I, I'm going to get to my message here in a minute. Matter of fact, this really has a lot to do with it because the man that God said he loved, Jacob, was a far cry from being perfect. I was telling somebody not long ago, I said, you know, really, we, 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 we've lost sight of, of just how bad the world is. We say we know how bad the world is. And, and again, again, I shouldn't have to qualify, but when you're online and people are just getting snippets and things get twisted and turned, you got to make yourself real clear. And so you blame the extra time on all the critics and haters on the outside. If it was just where we could preach without having to preach and explain what we preach, and then some of you are those critics. You need to quit taking screenshots, and when you tell something, you need to tell the totality of it from... kind of feeling better but I said really you 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 think about it you you and, and I'm not condoning it but you 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 take what would be the weakest among us and compare it to the world and we 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 have a God that cares and he loves us. And in spite of us being petty, 
Any of you ever been petty? Let me see your hand. If you see somebody that didn't raise their hand, they've lied about something else today too. But he overlooks our pettiness. He overlooks our struggles. He overlooks our mix-ups and our mess-ups. And I'm going to tell you, sometimes I feel like my name should be can't get right. I mean, it's like I just can't get anything right. I mean, yeah. Some of you are laughing to keep from crying. (laughs) And then some of you are punching your neighbor and saying, hey, you got somebody else like you. And yet, Brother Williams, this God who is so merciful and so forgiving and so understanding and a God who declared, if you want to know what my will is, I'm not willing that any... See, be careful when you start trying to put somebody in hell. You're trying to put them in a place God don't want them. But how that, I'm, I'm very intrigued. I'm very intrigued and even I've been concerned, me, my family, and the wonderful church I pastor. How that a God that helps us with so much and is so loving and is so caring and gave his life, gave himself, shed his blood as a ransom that I could be saved. What is it that any person could do that could provoke that kind of a God to say, this one that's mixed up, messed up, not perfect, He's deceiving and being deceived. He's cheating and being cheated. He'll have to limp the rest of his life to be reminded how desperately he needs me. How that that kind of a God could say, this is what I love. And then, all the way in Romans... Paul still reaching back and reminding us, but Esau, he he didn't just say, I hate Esau. He made sure it was written down because heaven and earth shall pass away. But I don't want anybody to ever forget. I do love the world and I do love you, but Esau, You think about it. He didn't even hate Jezebel and gave her a place where she could have repented. With Ahab taking the lives of the prophets, he still tried to help his sons. But Esau had something about him that was so upsetting and provoking to God 
that he did not just say, I hate Esau, but Paul was reaching back to the book of Malachi right before those silent years, Brother Buxton. uh, And God would say, uh, I have loved you, saith the Lord, yet ye say, wherein hath thou loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, saith the Lord, yet I love Jacob, and I hated Esau, uh, and I laid his mountains uh, and his heritage waste uh, for the dragons of the wilderness. Uh, whereas uh, I, I, I'm, I'm talking about, I just told you that even Ahab and Jezebel's descendants, uh, God would try to help them and God would try to restore them. Uh, yet when God in Malachi, uh, right before he would go silent for 400 years, uh, he brings back up Esau yet again. Uh, now remember, uh, Esau has not been uh, since Genesis uh, about the... Uh, 13th, 14th chapter, somewhere in there. Uh, And yet right before the New Testament and right before the transition of dispensations and right before uh, the old covenant would be done away with and the new covenant would come, uh, God says, let me remind you about Esau. Uh, Not only do I hate him, uh, but his descendants said, uh, well, we'll build things back up and and we'll do as we please. Uh, And God said, but no they won't uh, because I hate him with such a hatred uh, that I hate him uh, and I will never allow his descendants uh, to be back a part of my kingdom again. Now that might not sober you up but when I think that I could be as Esau just as easily as a Jacob I want to find out what Esau did because whatever Esau did. And I got to praying about it. And I got to studying and I got to pondering and thinking and it began to eat on me. And I began to to connect some dots and it, 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 it come to me how that God's will, everybody shout God's will. Everybody shout God's purpose. Is this okay tonight for just a few minutes? I begin to think and be reminded how that God's will and God's purpose is sovereign. And that accomplishing his will in his purpose means more to him than any of us as individuals mean to him. I'm going to say that again. God seeing his will and his purpose on this earth, which is to reconcile the world back unto himself, means more to him than what my little dreams mean to him and what my desires mean to him. And really, I know we don't preach about this a lot and we talk about even less, 
but what I want, God really couldn't care any less if it's not in perfect alignment to what he wants. I'm going somewhere. See, God's overreaching will and purpose, I already said it to you. He said, I'm not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Though we know hell is enlarging itself because of so many people that reject the help, the grace, the truth of God, it is still God's plan and God's will to save the world in its entirety. And God doesn't ever have a purpose. And God doesn't ever have a will that he doesn't have a plan to see that come to pass. Fix to help you understand why God hated Esau. You, you, read, you read the first 11 chapters of Genesis and it's really kind of a free-for-all. You just, you, you just kind of do what you want to do and God just kind of talks to whoever, whenever, however. But things eternally change in Genesis chapter number 12. Because God deals with a man by the name of Abraham. Are you listening to me? I told you this wasn't very conferency, but it's, it's going to change somebody's life tonight. It's going to keep you loved. And some of you, you don't even realize how on the verge of being hated you are. And God speaks to Abraham. And he says, Abraham, I want to bless you. And through you, I want to bless or reconcile the world back to me. Abraham, you have to understand that, that really this is not about you because I could have picked anybody. Don't think you're something just because you're here and your neighbor's still an alcoholic. He could have just as easily saved your neighbor and left you out there on the bottle. Abraham, th th this isn't about you. This is about me. But just because you're a part of my plan, I'm going to bless you. And through you, I'm going to bless the whole world. And because it's going to be through you, it's going to start with you, Abraham. And I'm going to call you out. See, we, we, we've, got, we've got too many people in the church still trying to straddle the fence. You don't get to live like the world and be responsible for winning the world. That, that, that's not how this works. You don't get to do whatever you want to do Monday through Saturday and then show up on Sunday. And and he says, Abraham, this is going to flow through your descendants. Now, I've thought a lot about this, and I'm not trying to cross theological swords with anybody. You all have a right to be wrong if you don't agree. It matters not to me. I mean, 
I do not believe in predestination. In that the day you was born, it was already determined where you're going to spend eternity. I do not believe in predestination. But I do believe in the predetermined will of God for our lives. I'll give you some examples. We could, we could use Samuel or Samson. They, they, they were called, set aside while they were yet in the womb. We could use Jeremiah or John. We, we could go, here Moses is getting a word from God, and Aaron doesn't have any sons yet. And God speaks to him, and he says, Aaron uh, and his sons uh, shall be. They, they don't have a choice in their calling. Now, they're free moral agents, and they can do what they want to do, but they can't jump to a different calling, and there's going to be great consequences for them uh, if they resist their calling, uh, but it's already predetermined uh, that they're called. Abraham because I'm calling you uh, and making a covenant with you, uh, I've already predetermined uh, that I'm going to have that same covenant uh, with Isaac. And then it should read, uh, and I'm going to have that same covenant with Esau. See, see, everywhere in your Bible where you read the God of Abraham, Je Isaac, and Jacob, according to the predetermined will of God, it should read Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. Yet you read, uh, Jacob have I loved, uh, but Esau have I hated. And I begin to realize why God would hate Esau. And it's as simple as this. It's because Esau was more interested in self and flesh than he was his predetermined covenant and calling. See, I, I want to be careful tonight. But... But young brother Buxton's, and I preach this to my kids already. All the second generation Williamses, young brother Clack, every second generation and beyond person in this building tonight and listening online. When God dug that first generation member of your family out and he made a covenant with them, you come out and live for me and I'm going to showcase you to the world and I'm going to make you kings and priests and you're going to be a royal priesthood and you're going to be a peculiar people. And you're going to be a holy nation. Uh, and you're going to show forth the praises uh, of the one that called you out of darkness uh, into this marvelous light. Uh, when God. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. Brother Cornelius Williams. Uh, 
You may think you have a choice, but you don't have a choice. Uh, Answering the call was a predetermined price uh, when God got to dealing with two Catholics uh, that didn't know truth uh, and they were stooped in idolatry uh, and they were stooped in religion uh, and they were burning candles uh, and they were buying beads uh, and they were lost uh, and yet somewhere uh, God reached down uh, and started working on their heart uh, and started changing their life uh, and started revealing truth to them uh, and the price uh, that you children have to pay and then these grandchildren don't even know it uh, that they'll have to pay uh, is that when God uh, called dad and grandpa out uh, and mom and grandma out uh, he didn't just make a covenant with them uh, but he said not only am I calling you out uh, but now you're a part of my purpose uh, and now you're a part of my plan uh, and now uh, your children Children's got to live and work for me, uh, and your grandchildren's got to live and work for me. Uh, and well, I feel like preaching a little bit. My my heart's heavy. But see, Esau, Esau was too interested in self and sport. better listen to me Esau wasn't out hunting to put meat on the table they they had such access that in just a few moments Jacob and his mother killed a kid prepared it to taste like venison and deceived his dad but Esau was too busy about pleasing self That his will became more important to him than his heritage. What he wanted to do became more important than what he was born and called before he ever breathed his first breath and time ever ticked its first talk in his life. He got so busy appeasing his flesh until he devalued his birthright to the place that he sold it for something so cheap. See, see, we've, we've raised a generation, I'm afraid, sitting on the pews that think they can have it both ways. But you can't have flesh and spirit. You can't have self and soul. See, we, we've got too many people I told you this wasn't very Friday night-ish. But it's very applicable. We, 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 we've, got too many, we've got too many people sitting on pews that they don't realize that it's not just a scripture. 
It, 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 it's, it's not just somebody needed something to write. But it was a declaration and statement that you are not your own. Your great, great, great grandfather, six generations ago, he was his own. But when God brought him out, see, you don't know what it's like to come home to an alcoholic father. You don't know what it's like to come home uh, and dad be weeping because mom ran off with another man. Uh, you don't know what it's like to come home uh, and there be needle marks uh, in your parents' arms. And you see, God spared you from all that. Uh, but that has a price. Uh, and that price is uh, you don't get to work the job you want to work. Uh, you don't get to live the place you want to live. Uh, you don't get to do the things that you want to do. Uh, you're not your own. Uh, you've been bought with a price. Uh, and if I want to send you to the Philippines, uh, you you just have to go and if I want you to start a church you just have to get out and dig it out and if I want you to run a bus route you don't get to be too busy on Saturday and if I want you to teach a Sunday school class you don't get to decide that children are not my type you're not your own Well, I don't know if I'm going to answer the call. What makes you think that's your choice? No. You, you, you don't get to answer the call. You just get to decide what category loved or hated do you live your life in. Esau never lied. He was the one God lied to. Esau was never deceitful. He was the one that got deceived. Esau wasn't a heel grabber. It was his heel being grabbed. Yet because he didn't recognize the importance of his calling in God's overreaching plan to reconcile the world to himself. God gets so angry that he says, I hate him. His kids aren't going to build. See, see, God said this. The gifts and callings are without you don't get to get forgiveness if you don't do it and God don't call it back and give you another path to follow so that somehow he can extend grace and see you be saved because see this isn't about you
Come help me, Brother Kurt. This isn't about you. This isn't about what college you want to go to. This isn't about what career you want to have. This, this ain't even about who you want to marry. See, that, that's why I, I've never preached like this, but it just it's on me. You better be careful who you marry because just because you marry somebody that is a hindrance to your calling doesn't mean God overlooks and lets you escape that calling. It just means you have to work that much harder to overcome an obstacle that God probably used a man of God and a preacher uh, to try to. I've watched a lot of ministers, their ministries get shipwrecked and somebody want to make an excuse because of who they married. Uh, let me tell you, uh, there is no excuse. Uh, there is no excuse. Uh, Esau, uh, have I hated? We've got, and, and I, I, I'm your friends, children, grandchildren of preachers. Wonderful saints, I don't think that these preachers' kids are any better than you. But I will tell you this, there, there are generational blessings and callings. You just, you can't deny that. You have to stick your head in the sand. And we've got, we've got too many young men and too many young ladies that they do not recognize the weight and the calling that they don't have any choice of. They, they, don't, they don't get to decide. You... You don't get to decide. I get full of joy every time I watch you in that pulpit. You inspire me. But I'll tell you what else you make me think every time you're up there. Is just because my children are now sixth generation. It don't mean if they don't answer the call that God don't have somebody that will. Brother Williams, you know why God loved Jacob? Because every bit of his lying and cheating and deceiving was trying to get a part of the overreaching plan of God. Just use me, God. Just let me do what Grandpa Abraham done. Just let me do what Daddy Isaac done. If you need some well diggers, I'll dig wells. This is certainly not one of my best messages. I may never preach it again. I called my, my daughter right before service and I, I got her permission to do what I'm going to do.
I've never told this before. I may never tell it again. Without her permission, I won't. But we almost lost Bella this past year. Matter of fact, the doctors had told us that likely than not, she wouldn't leave the hospital. I've, I've told all that. Many of you have heard me testify about it. And, but it was bad. But I remember, I remember in the middle of that, and I was trying to be so careful. I mean, my baby's laying there dying. And so I was trying to be so careful, but I remember it was just her and I. And something just kept nagging at me. And I whispered in her, her ear, I said, Bella, what is God trying to tell you that you're not listening to? I couldn't explain it, Brother Clack, but something come over me that, that this isn't a random sickness. This, this isn't just man that is born of a few days. He's full of trouble. And this, this isn't just life, but, but this is from God because I'm not doing something he's trying to get me to do. And I remember... Feeling, Brother Buxton, even guilty that I, in that state, I would say something. God touched her. She come out of there. One day we was by ourselves, and I said, Bella, I want to revisit something. I said, you, you remember daddy telling you? And then in that time, my bishop called and he said, he said, Brother Jackson, she's, she's not going to die. I forget exactly how he said it, but unless she don't listen, because this is, this is God. I'm preaching to you tonight. He don't even know it, but I'm preaching to him. And I said, Let's, I, I want to revisit something, Bella. And I said, what, what was it? You, you don't have to talk about it if you don't want to. I just, she got to crying. And she said, Dad. He said, I've seen the things that you and moms had to go through. She said, I, she talked. And she said, I was down praying and I told God, you better be careful when you start telling God. It's okay to answer God. But brother Isaac, your ministry is bigger than a drum cage and a barber shop. You better be careful when you Tell God. Yeah. 
And she said, Dad, I, I told God this calling that you've placed on my life. I've decided. I've decided that I'm just going to be just a regular saint. Now, what she meant by that was not, I want to be like our people, and we're better than our people, but we're stepping down. And in and, and, and her, her mind can't quite grasp it all. What she was saying is, Matter of fact, she told me like this, I just want to come to church. I just want to worship when it's time to worship. I want to marry a good husband and we'll give when it's time to give and we'll but this ministry stuff, I've I've decided that I'm not going. But see, but see, Belle, if you're listening tonight, I'll tell you again. That's not your decision. See, when God met me on that old clay road in my most weak, vulnerable moment and started putting my life back together, you you didn't get to decide what you're going to do and what you're not going to do. You just get to decide whether you're going to walk in blessings or walk in consequences. I can see her. Bella's the best eye roller outside of her mother you've ever met in your life. She's probably rolling her eyes a little bit right now when I say this, Brother Williams, but ever, ever once in a while. Part of it is I'm just playing. But part of it is, I don't want her to ever forget. I say, Bella, are you listening? Because God already showed you what he can do. If he decides he wants to do it. Because you decided you don't want to do it. See... See, God hated Esau because Esau thought he got to decide. Second generation, third generation, fourth generation, there's even fifth and sixth generation in this house tonight. God sent me here. And again, I don't make any apologies for this except I know it's not Friday night preaching. But, but Brother Buxton, God sent me here. I'm, I'm not saying this about your boys, but it could certainly fit. Annabelle, I'm preaching to you tonight, girl. Callie, I'm preaching to you tonight. God sent me here because he's tired of some of you doing the talking and telling him what you're willing to do 
in what you're not willing to do. And he's tired of your excuses. Well, I've seen dad and mom have to go through this. And I've seen mom and dad have to deal with that. And some of you even made statements like, I'll just be a saint and I'll show the rest of the saints how to be a good saint. I'll be the best saint that my family's ever had and my father has ever pastored. No! You won't do that, Esau. You won't do that, Esau. Because God's plan and God's purpose is so important to him. That he will just take that birthright away from you. And he'll walk over here. somebody that don't even know three scriptures and he'll hand it to them and what you don't realize Esau is when he does that you don't get to keep walking in them blessings because them blessings are directly connected to that covenant and that calling I'm going to tell you why third generations walk away and end up being alcoholics. Why fourth generations walk out and end up being married three or four times and lives are shipwrecked. We, we, we say a lot of things like, well, they got hurt or they got bitter or they got this or they got that. Now, I'm going to tell you exactly what happened. Somewhere, they did the talking instead of the listening. And God said, okay. 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 Okay, Esau. Okay. Okay. You were my predetermined plan. But that don't mean that I can't move you out and put somebody in. And the only one to suffer is you. The kingdom didn't suffer because Esau wouldn't get it right. I think about, and I've preached too long, I'm, I'm, I'm through. But I think about even, even Saul. He thought he was, he, he thought he was irreplaceable. And yet, yet the whole time God is piece by piece taking the kingdom from him. Israel is having more victories than they've ever had in their existence. Let me tell you, God can remove and replace every one of us without there being any cost to the kingdom. I'm going to say it again. God can remove and replace every one of us without there being any cost to the kingdom. But I tell you who will pay. You'll pay. God so flips a switch that you read about Esau's descendants. Number one, they get so out of balance. 
They're, they're them people you was preaching about last night, Brother Buxton, that you said, I don't see how they, they've went back to things that God delivered their parents and grandparents from and they're growing stuff and piercing stuff and inking stuff and trying to make everybody else feel like they're the radicals because they don't go along with it. No, let me tell you, Esau. When you become more about self than you do about covenant, you become like a cake that's burnt on one side, raw on the other, and then just a page over. Your children and grandchildren are saying, raise it! Raise it. Even to the foundation thereof. They, they go from not even just not wanting to build it, but they start doing everything they can to destroy it. I'm preaching with every eye closed and every head bowed right now. I'm reaching for some preacher's kids tonight. I know you've seen mom and dad go through a lot. I know that your dream is just to become a great businessman and your, your, your parents never have, to, never have to lean on anybody else. I don't want anybody else up here but these two right here. I don't, I don't want anybody else. This is fixed to be a very serious moment. You're not running from call you're running towards being hated. Because see, God predetermined that he wanted use to use you to share the only message of hope and salvation with somebody. He could have picked anybody he wanted to pick. But he picked you. And 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 I know it's not typical Friday night of impact. But really, I could have titled it, titled it this and just put the mic down and walked away. I could have just titled it, God is weary with you saying no. God is weary with you saying no. And Brother Buxton, you said last night, I don't know if this might be somebody's last service. I don't know about it being their last service, but I can tell you this, Brother Buxton, there are multiple people in this house tonight. It is their last chance to say yes. Because there are multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision and God's not a beggar and God sent this preacher on Friday night I don't guess I've ever struggled with preaching something anymore ever brother can hide that I've struggled with this matter of fact I've struggled even delivering it the whole time 
And it's because I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, beyond a shadow of a doubt, beyond a shadow of a doubt. Annabelle, I know you're a young lady. And young ladies doing something for God is not really popular with a lot of our movement. But God's not worried about what's popular. God's worried about what is his purpose. And you don't just get to say no because you might get criticized. You don't get to say no because somebody might not like it and they are always trying to stick a dagger in your back. You, you, you don't get to say, you, you don't get to say, well, I'm okay evangelizing and I'm, I'm getting to not just evangelize, but I'm at the top of the food chain, but because of what I've seen others through, I'm, I believe I'll just pass on that leading a congregation business. You, you two don't get to decide that. I'm not saying that is what, what you're to do. But you don't get to decide if that's what you're to do. You just get to decide whether you will walk in blessings or walk a life hated by God. I will.